Thanks for joining us today, the Firehouse Church. Uh, we have a, uh, a special message here, uh, something uh, uh, a couple people in our church are going to share with you. Uh, it's going to be real practical. Um, but I want to give just a little introduction before we get into that. You may remember a few weeks ago, I shared about uh, an analogy that I think has been helpful for me uh, to think about how we should be approaching our church and our lives and the way we're looking at the world around us. I talked about the difference between lifeboats and, and cruise ships. And uh, you, uh, if you missed that, I would definitely recommend uh, going back and taking a listen to that on our website. But the, uh, the general idea, as a way of reviewing, is that um, we as a church have moved into a format where we're operating in a series of small lifeboats. And those lifeboats, the big intention of those is that we can be much closer and more flexible and have a greater ability to reach people around us. And so hopefully out, out of that uh, out of that message and the discussion that followed, uh, you as house churches and you as families and you as individuals, I, I'm trusting you've been praying about and thinking about who are the people I know or that we know who need Jesus. Now, part of what I shared is that we understand there's a, another method when you're all together in one big circle. And that method, we could really describe it as come and see. We're going to put this thing on together. And we want people to come and see it. Uh, now, that's fine as a method. Uh, but as you uh, are undoubtedly aware, that's not going to be the main form of outreach for house churches. Come and see. Now, there may be a few over time who, who do want to come and see, and, and they're welcome to do that. But we're not looking to make house churches just miniatures of a big meeting. The point is, we really want, instead of come and see, we want to be engaged in go and get. And we really believe, Brad and I do, that house churches are better equipped as they're thinking about outreach to people who need Jesus. They're better equipped to be customizable. And to really look at people around and say, how can we go get that person? How can we bring Jesus to that person or that family or that neighborhood? So that's all great in theory. But one of the challenges is that I'm sure you're asking, how do I do this? How do I accomplish this? Now, I think scripture is really clear that all of us, every single one of us, can bring Jesus and the good news to others. And I think all of us need to be engaged in that in one form, one way, one shape. And so to do that, we all not only need to have our perspective shifted and, and our mindset toward that, but to help us with that, we need to have training and we need to have tools. And we need to be constantly encouraged. I know for me, if I'm not constantly encouraged in that, it's going to fall by the wayside in my life. 
But if we think about training, we think about tools, the point of that is to be equipped. And so when we are equipped properly, when we've got the right tools and we're riding in that lifeboat together and we got our eyes looking out, we are going to be more attuned to seeing opportunities for outreach, opportunities for serving others, and opportunities for just talking about Jesus, of bringing the good news into conversation and into interaction with others. So we know that's a challenge. We know that is a shift from come and see to go and get. We understand that. And so as a church, our plan here is that we want to help. We want to all together be moving towards getting better at that and towards getting our focus shifted that way. So here's what we're going to try here this spring as we go along is we want to give some broad overviews of some tools and trainings, of some techniques and some methods and ways that we can be thinking about simply how can I do that. And so that includes today and just a little bit you're going to hear uh, some of that. And then the goal is not to just hear those things and say, oh, that was nice, but we would like each house church to then discuss, brainstorm, and plan ways that you as a house church and as individuals can use these tools to help bring the good news to people around you. And then our hope is following after that, we may possibly offer more in-depth training. If something really sparks an interest in you and, it, and the spirit is moving in you and you think, wow, I would really like to get into that. Or I'd really like to know that. Or I have some people who I think that technique or that tool could be really helpful in reaching. We'd like to offer more in-depth training um, for anyone who's interested in that. So uh, in just a moment here, we're going to have Dale Bruns and Dave Triggs. They've recorded for you. Uh, some real practical tips and, and an overview of, of some things they've learned. But before we do that, I just want to give one other little note that's very contextual uh, in, in the context of, of COVID, right? We're, we're living here at this place and, and what's kind of a, you know, I, we hope it's kind of the tail end of those things. But one hurdle I'd like you to get over is uh, when we think about COVID and we think about people and everybody's got a different reaction to this and how things are going. It's very easy for us to just throw up our hands and say, that person over there, they need Jesus, but because of COVID, they can't be reached. And, and maybe there are good reasons for that. Maybe that's true. But I would suggest to you today that God's mission of seeing the lost reach and disciples made is bigger than disease. And it's bigger than fear. And so I think there's still going to be opportunities for us. And so I encourage you a couple things here as you think about even in this time of COVID and, and uncertainty that this just requires us to be creative. And so I would encourage you to be creative and try to meet others who need the gospel. Meet them where they are in that. And then I also would encourage you to not just think about this week. Don't just say, well, those people, they're, they're just shut in because of quarantine or COVID and they don't want to come out. But take a longer view. Start thinking about, well, in the months ahead, what could we do? In the weeks ahead, in the time going forward, what would be a way as fear 
relaxes or as, as vaccines go out or whatever it is that people need, what are some ways we can reach into their world and bring Jesus to them? So that was just my little note for that. Um, let's go ahead and listen to Dave and Dale share what they've got to share with us today. Hi, my name is Dave Triggs, and with me here is Dale Bronze. We are providing this recording as a follow-up to Greg's message, where he shared the analogy of our house churches being like lifeboats that are to go out into the world to rescue those who are in need of our help. Over the past year, Dale and I have attended a couple of training sessions regarding ways we can reach our families, friends, and neighbors with the gospel. Our hope is that the things that we share today will give you some ideas on how you and your house church can be better equipped to fulfill your mission. In one of those sessions this past fall, Todd Watkins reminded us of our identity in Christ while reading 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. And I realize that this is something that we've all heard before, but it's been helpful for me to remind myself of these truths over and over again over the past three months. It's helped me to solidify it more in my mind and in my heart. So it, re it reads, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Isn't that good? These verses remind us of two things. Now, first, if anyone has received Christ as their Lord and Savior, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Because of what Christ did on the cross, he reconciled us to himself by becoming sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. We are now righteous in God's sight, not because of anything that we have done, but because of what Christ did for us. Second, he has now made us his ambassadors by committing this message of reconciliation to us so that he might make his appeal through us to those around us. God first made us new, and then he made us his ambassadors. So not only are we on lifeboats, but we are ambassadors for God on lifeboats. This is our new identity. Another thing that has helped me is the word bless. Now, that's a pretty common word and we say it a lot, but this word bless is actually an, an acronym for five areas. The B stands for begin with prayer. Prayer for God's direction on where we should minister and also prayer for people on whom we should talk to. The L stands for listen with care. As we start to reach out, we need to be more focused on listening so we can learn what are the needs so that we can then meet those needs. The E stands for eat together. 
Eating together also includes just spending time with people to get to know them and build a relationship with them and allow them to see God through our lives in action. The first S in BLESS stands for serve with love. As we pray for people and listen to their needs and spend time together, then we'll better know how we can best serve them and help them. Finally, the last S is for share your story and God's story. As we pray and listen and serve, we will learn how best to share how God has changed our lives and the hope that he has for us and for them. I'm now going to share an overview of one example of the training Dylan and I received for reaching out uh, called Four Fields of Jesus Strategy. Uh, this is based on Mark 4, 26 to 29, which is the parable of the growing seed. Now, I'm not going to read that now, but uh, I do want you to picture a square that is divided into four smaller squares or quadrants. The four fields are displayed in each quadrant of the larger square. We'll start in the upper left-hand portion of the square, which is titled Go. The training for this quadrant helped me focus on whom I should be reaching out to in my sphere of influence and in searching for a house of peace based on John 17, 20 and Luke 10, 1 through 11. The second quadrant in the upper right-hand corner of our diagram is labeled gospel. The training for this quadrant helped me develop a 15 second testimony and taught me how to share the gospel with the three circle diagram and helped me know how to work with those who are not quite ready to receive Christ, but are interested in learning more uh, through stories in the Bible. The third quadrant in the lower right-hand corner as we go around our square diagram is labeled grow. The training for this section helped me to know how to disciple those who have recently made a decision to follow Christ based on Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It takes you through 10 commands of Christ based on the various scriptures from the gospels. The fourth and final quadrant in the lower left-hand corner of our square is labeled gather. The training for this section is based on Acts 2, 37 through 47, where we teach the new believer the attributes of a growing and healthy church. So again, those four quadrants, you have go, gospel, grow, and gather. The thing I most appreciate about this method is the simplicity and how closely it goes with what I have grown up with over the past 40 years of being involved in a Great Commission type of church. I want you to know I'm not an evangelist. <laughs> But within a short time after sharing some of this with our house church, several of us were able to use the tools of the 15 second testimony and the three circles with others. I was able to share the three circles with my stepmom while we were back in Iowa before Christmas. Now, Dell is gonna share another example with you. Great, thanks, Dave. I think that was a really good uh, summary of um how to use the uh, four fields uh, tool. And I just agree that, you know, I was just really excited to see how people picked up on it so quickly in our uh, home church and just how, how easy it is to use. And I know I'm, I'm, uh, I've been sharing that also with, you know, others that I know that to help them learn how to evangelize. So uh, that's great. And that, I wanna speak about a, another tool 
And um, that is about um, uh, using seeker small groups. And um, just my own testimony, I feel like uh, Linda and I have been the most fruitful in doing Bible studies with our friends and neighbors. Early on in our marriage, we did a Bible study with another couple in our neighborhood. We used a book by Chuck Swindoll on marriage for our discussion. And then as a result of that, we established lifelong friends and led one member of the couple to Christ. Over the years, I've done a number of other Bible studies with uh, our neighbors and uh, especially, uh, including doing one right now with my neighbor Alfredo, who has become a Christian and gotten baptized. So I just think that some of the advantages of, of doing a Bible study is, is that it gives you dedicated time uh, to look at what the Bible has to say on a regular basis. And you get to build relationships and share life together as you're doing that. So uh, in specific, I would like to introduce you to a special type of Bible study called a seeker small group. As uh, Dave mentioned, um, Greg and Dave and I attended an evangelism conference at CCU about a year ago. And one of the speakers spoke about using seeker small groups. So some of us in our home church have gotten the book by Gary Poole that talks about seeker small groups. And I'd like to summarize that here. So there are a number of different types of small groups that Gary talks about, but the one I'd like to focus on right now is, is a neighborhood seeker small group, which means essentially starting a seeker small group with your neighbors. And as, as they state in the book, a tremendous evangelistic potential exists in our neighborhoods. And with a little forethought and effort, every one of us has a tremendous opportunity to befriend those who live around us. So how does a neighborhood seeker small group work? Well, the first step is that it starts by building relationships and trust with people in our neighborhood. We want to develop authentic, caring friendships with seekers in our neighborhood. Talk to people, spend time with them, do things with them. We take a lot of walks in our neighborhood, both by ourselves and with each other. And Linda also walks with a number of our neighbors. And Linda's also very good at calling different neighbors and talking on the phone. So we've gotten to know a lot of people that way. And it's one thing that's important to do is just to start dropping clues right away about your faith so it doesn't come as a shock to people later that you're a Christian. You can offer to pray for them. You can just share your life with them, including your faith and how church is a part of your life. You can look for opportunities to share Christ with them. And it's a good idea just to, you know, have some basic training on how to share the gospel with people. The second step then is after we've started building these relationships is to invite people to a one-time event to talk about the Bible and their spiritual interests and or questions. It's important that uh, the initial commitment is really just to uh, a one-time event. The book goes into a great deal of detail and how to uh, consider the fears and obstacles me, uh, that people may have about coming to a seeker small group. And it provides a list of 10 suggestions on how to invite people to your first meeting. In that first meeting, you'll have some icebreaker questions and then ask a, the all important question. If you could ask God one thing and you knew that he would answer you right away, what would you ask him? 
And then you might follow up with a question that on why that question that they provided was important to them. After you've done that at the conclusion of your, your one-time event, you let the group decide if they want to continue to meet. Usually, if you follow the advice given in the book, the group is more than eager to continue meeting on a regular basis. So then the third step is to use the, last, the list of questions that people gave as the basis for your discussions the following weeks. And your job is to facilitate the discussion by asking good um, discovery type questions and then letting people discover from the Bible what the Bible has to say about the various questions that they have and what they believe about what the Bible says. So the book talks about how people go through different phases as you go through this discovery process. The first phase may be to just understand what do they really believe and why do they believe what they believe. Then people begin to understand more what the Bible says and evaluate the truth of the Bible and, and determine if you know, they're willing to believe the Bible. And then finally, the ultimate goal is to lead people across the finish line of faith. Oftentimes that might be done in one-on-one -on -one times outside of the seeker small group meeting. And finally, you want to help them transition to next steps, which may be to invite them to your home church and or a believer's Bible study. So some of the keys to success about having um, doing a seeker small group um, Bible study is, first of all, just loving and caring for people. Uh, number two, praying for them. Number three is asking good questions. And um, I think that's a real skill. And the book offers a lot of help in learning how to do that. I think it's a skill that, you know, translates not just to doing a seeker small group, but just in general. But um, so it's really good to learn how to how to do that. The, and then like what Dave was saying also, just learning how to listen well. Again, the book provides a lot of um, really good suggestions on how to learn how to listen well to people. And then finally, just uh, you know, finding time to spend one-on-one -on -one with people outside of that meeting. So the more we can spend time with people you know, and build those relationships and trust, the, uh, the better. So just uh, for organizing a seeker small group, you need a leader, obviously, with someone who's you know, a little more experienced. You need an apprentice, someone who's in training to lead their own group later on. And then, of course, uh, the people you invite. And finally, just we, they encourage you to and encourage those who, uh, the invitees, basically, to invite their friends. So keeping the group open to others who might want to join you along the way and, and, and grow your group that way. So just to summarize, anyone can lead a seeker small group. God uses people who are willing and available, even those who may feel hesitant or uh, fearful to reach seekers. I know I just feel like, you know, God uses my meager efforts um, to reach out to people and, and blesses them. So do you have neighbors, coworkers, or friends? Then you can launch a seeker small group. You may lack experience, expertise, 
and evangelism gifts, but God can use you to impact seekers for eternity. And you may experience also the thrill and wonderment of sharing the life-changing message of Christ in the context of a seeker small group. I'm just gonna quote part of the verse that Dave did also, as it says in 1 Corinthians 5.20, it says, we are therefore ambassadors for Christ as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Thanks, Dale. I really like both of those ideas. And now that you've heard uh, these two ideas, uh, hopefully it will spark your thinking of things that you can do in your lifeboat house churches. And there are a lot of tools out there. And these are just two that we are working towards using more in the near future. We become excited about them and are looking forward to trying them out more here uh, in the near future. And if you do have any questions, uh, you can, you're welcome to talk to Dale or I. Uh, I've read the book as well on Seeker Small Groups and Dale attended the training too on the four fields. So uh, we both know both of those. And then if you wanna get more information on the four fields, you can go out to e3partners.org slash training. So thank you.